0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله at tahirin Assalamu عليكم ورحمة الله brothers and sisters and welcome to session number 21 of the A Lesson Per Page Quran program. Insha'Allah today we will be beginning with page number 90 of the Holy Quran. You can't run and you can't hide even in fortified fortresses so we've all heard the saying you can run but you can't hide this one is different you can't even run and you can't hide from what from death brothers and sisters if you want to run away from death did you know that the angel of death is pretty quick If you want to hide in fortified fortresses, did you know that uh, the angel of death can go through stone and brick walls? All right, so, but uh, jokes aside, this is a reality. There is no running from death. You can't run from it and you can't hide from it. So let's see what these verses are talking about, or this, yes, this verse is talking about, and get to some details, inshallah. Verse number 78 of Surah Nisa. I will be lahim <laughs> in a shaitan takunu, you Mautu will mow to wella kung tum fi burujim musheyada. What in to sibahum hasana to yakulu hadi him in indilla? What in to sibahum say yakulu hadi him <laughs> Wherever you may be, death shall overtake you. It will reach you. It will reach you. Even if you are in fortified fortresses, strong castles, whatever. And if any good befalls them, they say, This is from Allah. And when an ill befalls them, they say, This is from you, O Prophet. Say all is from Allah what is the matter with these people that they do not understand any matter? So these verses um, there is a context here of course they're talking about it's talking about um, once again those people who would stay behind who wouldn't go fight in the way of Allah when they were supposed to and they didn't live up to the expectations that Islam had of them, uh, either because they are weak or they're munafiq, whatever the case of these verses is speaking of. But what's important here is this part where it says, look, wherever you are, death is going to catch you. Death will reach you. No matter what you try to do, okay, you're staying away from the battlefield when you have to go. All right, if you're staying away from the battlefield when you have to go, that's going to save you? Excuse me, how many years are you going to add to your life by not going? Okay, well, if I had gone, I might have lost my life in the battlefield. Okay, now that you didn't go, how much did you add? 20 years, 30 years? Look, 20, 30 years adding to your life, still death is going to catch you eventually. If you remember on page 15 um, of our lessons, page 15 of the Qur'an, Surah Baqarah, verse 96, we had a verse that spoke about the religious ones who believe in an afterlife. Yet they don't want to leave this world. And they wish for a thousand years. They wish they could live a thousand years. But the verse says that when this wish that they have, even if it was to be fulfilled, that's still not going to save them from the punishment of the afterlife. Because even a thousand years will pass eventually, and death will come. Right? They wish they could live for a thousand years. Some of these people who are religious, they they are a a people of the book. You're supposed to believe in an afterlife. You're supposed to long for an afterlife. What's wrong with you? But anyway, even if this person was to live a thousand years, they still would not be able to put away and repel death from themselves. So forget about running, forget about hiding even adding to your time in this dunya is still not going to do the job because eventually even if you live a million years death will come and when it comes you're like hey uh, that was quick you know (sighs) these people want to run away from death surah jum'ah verse 8 look it's going to catch up to you this death that you are tafirrun مِنْهَ you're running away from it, it's going to eventually reach you. shahada. وَالشَّهَادَ you'll be taken back to the knower of the seen and the unseen. Allah SWT فَيُنَبِّئُكُمْ bima and He will inform you of what you were doing, what deeds you were committing in this life of the dunya. So this... Uh, is one of those famous verses, of course, that reminds us, look, you can't run and you can't hide. Now, as we go on in the verse, you find that it says, if something good re- reaches them, these people who you might have stayed behind or might have avoided the responsibility that was on their shoulders, into hasanatun yaqulu hadhi min Oh, Allah likes us. This is from Allah. Something good reaches them they stayed behind, something good reaches them, they're happy. Or just generally speaking, all the time even, I don't want to necessarily say this verse is speaking about when they stayed behind. Just all in all, this the people of this mentality, it seems that this is what the verse is talking about here. These people who want to repel death from themselves, they're not interested. These people, uh, they... Um, when something good bef- reaches them, they're like, oh, this is from Allah. They feel like you know, god they're, they're special in God's eyes. And then if something bad comes their way, they blame the Prophet As if the Prophet doesn't represent God, as if the Prophet doesn't know what he's doing, na'udhu billah, things like that. That's what I'm getting out of this part of the verse. The verse says, no, 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 slow down there. قل, tell these people who think they're all that, they think they're special, they think they're, cho- they're the chosen ones. It's all coming from Allah. That's just how this world is. That's the system of this world. One day is up, one day is down. If you remember we talked about this verse as well in the past. Tilkal ayam nudawiluha nas. These are the days of the of your lives, brothers and sisters. These are the times. They they just one day it's in your favor, one day it's not in your favor. One day we give it to this person, one day we take away from that person. Yes, so it's all from Allah. That's the plan. Don't, don't, don't dedicate, Don't uh, uh, identify the bad as coming from the Prophet, Sallallahu and the good coming from Allah as if you're chosen people. As a matter of fact, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, no matter if it's good or bad, it's all in your favor. We have a very special verse, Surah Taubah, verse fifty-two. Um, it says these people who are sitting there waiting for us to go to battle if we die you know then we've lost our lives that was bad if we survive the battle you know we're good and something good came our way, and maybe even worse worse spoils come our way in reality let us let us tell you these this is the people that you know are listening to the Holy Prophet They are on his side, alongside him, going to the battlefield. These people, the Qur'an is teaching them what to say. It's teaching the Prophet to tell those people who have stayed behind or not helping out. To tell, it's teaching the Prophet what to tell them. qul Tell them. Are you, what are you waiting for? What are you anticipating for us? Bad or good? Death or life? No, it's all good. If we die, it's good. If we live, it's good. And for you all who are not doing your responsibility as a matter of fact, it's all both bad. The fact that you're alive or if you die, whatever, on your deathbed, whatever it is, that's both of it is bad. Both of them are bad for you because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Are you waiting for what one of two good things for us to happen to, to happen to us? If we die, it's good. If we survive, it's good. Both of them are good. If we survive, we have defeated an enemy of the Prophet That's good. If we lose our life, it's shahada and martyrdom in the way of Allah ta'ala. What else? Could, what else could we ask for? So you're waiting. What you're waiting for us is is not one of two. Is either a good thing or a bad thing? It's one of two good things for us. Wa and yusibakumullah bi'adabin min But you people. You're going to either be punished by Allah or at our hands. So one of two bad things is awaiting you. So wait! مُتَرَبِّسُونَ We're going to also wait to see what Allah has in store for everybody. Alright, so this shows that the perspective of people has to change or else they're going to be off, totally off in their understanding of things. The problem is, brothers and sisters, we, I don't know how to say this, we, we, don't, we have not gained a Qur'anic uh, perspective and worldview and take on life. We meaning us as, as human beings, humanity. As a result, we see things wrong. We see that this is loss or gain. No, it's both gain for the, for the people who do their responsibility. It's, all, it's, it's a win-win situation for them. And if we're not doing our responsibility, it's lose-lose. And so eventually it leads to us thinking like to ourselves, is there any way we can avoid death? Because death is a bad thing. And so the Qur'an says, look, even if you're in some fortified castles and fortresses, death is going to catch up to you. Death is going to eventually get you. Yes, because FYI, as I said, angel of death can go through stone walls, people. Don't think you can hide. So we need to fix that worldview instead of focusing our energy, our thoughts on somehow extending our life which of course I'm not saying we should try to like you know not be healthy and not stay stay alive no we will try try to stay alive as much as we can so we can gain as much as we can from this dunya for our akhirah that's a different story but what I'm trying to say here is instead of focusing our effort on our efforts on making sure that we get every single second we can out of this life and always worrying about oh my god a day is going to come that i'm going to die instead of doing that if we have the proper world view what we can do is focus our energy our efforts our thoughts and concerns on how to secure more akhirah for ourselves so some people what are they doing what they're doing is worrying about you know more and more life here while the others while others what are they doing they're being smart and what they're doing is they are focusing on how to maximize on the gains in the Akhirah. Inshallah, we're of the second category. Page number 91 of the Holy Qur'an, if you reflect enough, you'll know it's from Him. So for those of you who've been following from the beginning, those of you who remember, um, page number 4 of the Holy Qur'an, we had um, a lesson there that spoke about how the Qur'an is a miracle and how it meets the uh, criteria of being a miracle a miracle here it points out that this page points out something else um, another aspect that you can in a sense maybe even c- consider this a miraculous aspect of the quran but even if you don't want to consider it a miraculous aspect of the quran still it is a very strong sign that what that this quran is not your normal book from a normal human being, let alone an illiterate. Well, I don't want to say illiterate, but unschooled um, individual, namely Muhammad I said illiterate, that's not the best word to use. It, just, um, it was a slip of the tongue. There is a whole discussion on this in theology, whether we can consider the Prophet illiterate, as some people like to, or no. Just say he was unschooled, he didn't go to school, and so he didn't have that kind of formal education. But doesn't mean that he was necessarily illiterate either. But there's a whole discussion there I don't want to get into. Let's recite uh, the verse, verse number eighty-two of uh, the Holy uh, of excuse me Nisa. أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ وَلَوْ كَانَ Do they not contemplate the Quran? Had it been from someone other than Allah? they would have surely found much discrepancy, اختلافا كثيرا, much discrepancy in it. So as I said, this Qur'an, there there has to be different signs that point to the fact that it is not your normal book, and it comes from a divine source. This, without a doubt, is one of them in my opinion. I want to read to you from uh, Ayatollah Makarim's tafsir here. I just... uh, Uh, used his tafsir for this part because I liked the text, you know, what it says. I think it gets to the point very well. It gets the point across very well. Uh, Of course, for our lessons, I don't only use this tafsir, I use other tafsir as well. This part of it, though, I thought would be nice to read, especially since the translation, I found it as well for this part. So it says, Everything and almost everyone changes by elapse of time, by the passing of time. A poet and a writer change their mind and change their style a diplomat frequently changes his political views and ideas and policies and whatnot in one single book we may find variations of style eloquence and ideas and even in choice of words even in those books which are written about on a single subject such as pure science history or like just normal stories and novels we may, we may find a lot of contradictions and discrepancies. The Qur'an has been revealed over a period of 23 years and over a, a wide variety of subjects in various times and in different circumstances. It, is, it addresses all sorts of people and all grades of mankind. All right, so Prophet Muhammad who brought the Qur'an was not, a, was not learned, was not schooled, he was not seen as a scholar. He could not read or write, and yet there is an amazing unity, uniformity, oneness, that we find across the Qur'an according to Ayatullah Makarim. That's what he's saying here. Unity of form and style, unity inside, outside, unity in the beginning and end. There is no contradiction or logical incompatibility between its verses. Nothing in it asserts the contrary of something else, or of another verse, for example. No sentence or phrase is less eloquent than the standard of eloquence that has been observed throughout the book. You can't find two statements to that contradict each other. Okay, so, اختلافاً كثيراً. Oh, let me explain this further. So that, I think, was very, that was more than enough of what at Makarim says here. Is more than enough to illustrate, um, you know, Uh, what this book is all about when it comes to this unity, this uniformity. But there are a few points here that I want to mention because these points have been brought up regarding this verse. Number one is that uh, this verse is not saying that why don't the people reflect over, over the Qur'an, if they would reflect over it, they could tell that this is not coming from a normal person, it's coming from, and it can't be from other than God, because if it's from other than God, you would find a lot of discrepancy in it. Some people have said, does this mean that there's a little bit of discrepancy in it, but because it's from Allah, there isn't a lot of discrepancy, there's only a little bit of discrepancy in it. Alright, so let me repeat that. The verse is saying what? Had it been from someone other than Allah, they would have surely found much discrepancy in it. Meaning what? Meaning that since it's from Allah, you won't find a lot. You might find a little bit of discrepancy, but you might not, you won't find a lot of discrepancy. Now, we don't want to get into long details here, but um, this brings me to my second point that Mufassirin have answered this in this way. They say that no, no. What it's saying here is that if it was anyone else that was going to write a book of 600 plus pages, then you would definitely find a lot of discrepancies in it, okay? Not that it's a lot versus a little. It's saying that, look, if anyone else would have done this, you would find a lot of discrepancies. But Allah has, re- has sent this book down, so you don't, you don't find a lot of discrepancies. In other words, the verse is not trying to put a lot versus a little here. What it's trying to say is that, look, with others writing a book like this, it's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of discrepancy here. A lot of discrepancy. In other words, since you don't see a lot of discrepancy, it's not normal people that have written it. It's Allah that has sent it down. Okay, hopefully that's clear. Now, the reason for this is multifold. Let's say, even the holy prophet, had gone to school, was the most learned person in all of the world in his time. Still, this argument holds, brothers and sisters. The argument that if it was written by anyone other than Allah, you would find a lot of discrepancy in it. Why? The Qur'an isn't just some storybook. Okay? It's not just some novel or anything. This book is a book full of very deep, rich, lofty content when it comes to different subjects. Yet what we find is that you barely can point out anything that is a discrepancy in it. If it was a normal book, by a learned individual even, if it was 600 plus pages, still you would find lots of discrepancies in it probably. Now add to all of this the fact that the one who brought it is unschooled add to this the fact that it's not a normal book, it has all this rich content in it, and for a fact you become 100% sure this is not from a normal person, this is from God Himself according to this verse. if it was from other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I want to end on this with this point though. That some people will point out discrepancies in the Qur'an. You can even Google this. You know, There will be people who are anti-Qur'an, anti-Islam, Islamophobic, whatever you want to call it, Who will point out the discrepancies and the contradictions within the Qur'an. But we have to understand in a book with a book like this in which itself it it the book itself tells us you remember verse 7 Surah Ali Imran verse 7 told us that and and, and disclosed to us that there are going to be muhkam verses and mutashabih verses in this Qur'an. Decisive definitive clear ones versus vague ones metaphorical ones figurative ones. So the Qur'an itself has told us that, look, I'm speaking the way everyone speaks. And so when you speak like other people, when you speak the language the people speak, عَرَبِيًّ uh, 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 um, Lisan in Arabian Mubin, When you speak with that um, simple, clear uh, language of the people in Arabic, for example, then of course things can be misinterpreted, Metaphorical verses can be taken as literal, literal might be taken as metaphorical, and so on and so forth. This happens with any book, really. And so people might point out contradictions, but those are only contradictions maybe at first glance. Spending a little bit of time thinking about it will figure it out for you, usually, if not always. So I'll give you an example. Like, they'll, they'll, point out, they'll point out that um, um, the Qur'an talks about how Allah is all-powerful. Okay, Allah is all-powerful. And so, you would expect Him to be able to do anything in the snap of a finger. Okay, but what happens is, that's not the case. He Himself says in the Qur'an that He created the um, uh, what is it? The heavens and the earth, the skies and the earth, whatever you want to say. Um, فِي سِتَّةِ اَيَّامِ He created them in six days question is this not a contradiction does this not go against the fact that he's supposed to be able to create everything with the snap of a finger what happened to God's immaculate never ending power this these these verses seem contradictory discrepancy we found it All right? but then the answer will be no if you think about it a little bit if you look into it a little bit, you'll figure out how this is not a discrepancy. It might seem as a discrepancy at first glance, but it's not. Why? Because philosophically speaking, if you want to create the heavens, the earth, the trees, and all that, these are material entities and beings, and they are, whether you like it or not, governed by time. So if God is going to create them, and they come with the baggage of time, they will be... Within the confines of time, and they will be restricted by time. So even if Allah wants to make it make it quick, make a tree grow in a split second, that's not how trees grow. Okay. Now someone might ask, can He just like snap His fingers and make a, a full-grown tree? These are th- these are discussions to be had, um, and it's beyond the, um, the 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 scope of our discussion right now. But yes, these have all been addressed. So this was just one little example of how things might seem contradictory at first glance, but it's just at first glance, or else there will be explanations to them. So when the Qur'an says that you won't find discrepancies in me, it means after you've reflected, not just at first glance. That's something to keep in mind as well. All right, let's move on now to page number 92. Page number 92, you cannot guide the hypocrite whom Allah has misguided. So there are some people who, they are, they're just too nice, you know. For them, of course, Islam is a religion of love and all of that. True, without a doubt. And Allah is love. And Allah has love. And Allah is overflowing love. All of that is true. But come on, you can't overdo things either here you can't go to the point where your love is going to reach the ones that Allah doesn't even love. Now, once again, this is not something I want to be taken um, verbatim and literally, that God doesn't even love the sinners. I don't want that to be understood from what I'm saying. But there are some that we know for a fact that Allah's wrath or Allah's punishment will overtake them, and that Allah has misguided them. And I'll explain what that means later. Allah has misguided them. And then here I am trying to be even friendlier and kinder than Allah. Look, Allah is going to be the kindest where there is room for kindness. But when there is no room, Ashaddul Mu'aqibeen He is. Yeah, He will be the, the one who holds responsible, who holds accountable, who is the harshest of punishers. This is verse number 88 of Surah An-Nisa. فَمَا لَكُمْ فِي الْمُنَافِقِينَ في وَاللَّهُ أَرْكَسَهُمْ بِمَا كَسَبُوا أَتُرِيدُونَ أَن تَهْدُوا مَنْ اللَّهُ وَمَنْ اللَّهُ Why should you be two groups concerning the hypocrites? While Allah has turned them upside down because of their deeds, do you desire to guide someone Allah has led astray? Whomever Allah leads astray you will never find any way for Him. Alright, first things first, let's talk about the sha'an nuzul of this verse. Sha'an nuzul as I said before, is the, the, something that took place um, something that took place before a, a verse was revealed. And so the verse was revealed because of that occasion, because of that incident, that whatever took place. Now there have, once again, been different things that have been said regarding the sha'an nuzul of this verse. But I'll share with you one of the ones that I found in the tafasir, And that is that um, the Muslimin, when they migrated from Mecca to Medina, there was a group that came along with them who were actually hypocrites or turned out to be hypocrites or might have changed later. They left. After they came to Medina, they left and went back to Mecca and they went back to their old ways and their wrong ways of, um, of shirk and serving the mushrikeen. All right, so now... The Muslims were divided regarding these this group of people. There were some who were like, you know, it's all good. You know, they're still mu'min, you know, they believe and all that. There were others who were like, no, 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 these guys have turned upside down, they've gone the wrong way. And so, no, they're not our friends, they're not this, they're not that. The Quran here makes it very clear. It says, Look, why are you guys divided over these people while Allah has turned them upside down on their heads, right? And what upside down here means is not that they were actually walking on their heads now, no. What is meant according to the tafsir is that Allah has, when it comes to their ideology, when it comes to their guidance versus misguidance, they are totally upside down. Meaning, they are in totally in the wrong. So brothers and sisters, the verse, the verse what it's saying is that um, you can't be this naive. When there are people who are now, you know they're your enemy, at the end of the day, they're not mu'min, mu'min anymore. They were mu'min before, maybe, on the outside, but now they're not mu'min for sure, and how are you going to still be on their side, and still kind of rooting for them, and supporting them? Don't be simple, don't be naive. And this reminds us of the Battle of Siffin. So in the Battle of Siffin, Imam Ali was this close, salam, to actually being victorious in that battle what stopped him was it the enemy was it the strength of the enemy what was it that didn't allow imam ali a.s. to be successful well it was the naivety and the simplicity of his own people them falling for the um that uh, the cunning trick of uh, amr bin al-aas that close companion of muawiyah so The army of Imam Ali had been convinced, at least a lot of them, or a good number of them, they were convinced that uh, the army of Muawiyah, these are disbelievers. They don't believe in the Quran. What happened was that when stuff really started going down and the army of Muawiyah was being defeated badly, and everyone knew it's almost over, and Malik al Ashtar, that great companion of Imam Ali was getting closer and closer to Mu'awiyah's tent. What happened was, they went out with their spears, with their sticks, whatever it was. They put the Qur'ans on those spears, on those sticks, or they tied them to them, and raised these high so that the army of Imam Ali can see. Telling these people that are on the side of Imam Ali that look, we believe in the Qur'an. You guys are fighting people that believe in the Qur'an. These people were fooled by this. They were fooled and they said, oh wait a minute, wait a minute here, hold your horses. And uh, no pun intended by the way because you know there was an army and there was horses and stuff. Hold your horses. Um, we're fighting Muslims here. We thought they're disbelievers. Imam Ali is like, what, are you, what, are, what is going on? Are you being act, Is this actually happening? Are you being fooled? This is all a trick. Continue doing what you're doing. And Malik al-Ashtar kept fighting. He was going closer and closer. Now the reports, some reports at least, from what I remember, they say that about 20,000 of these people who fell for this trick, they told Imam Ali, if you don't stop the battle right now, we will kill you. So all of a sudden, Imam Ali's own people are going against him. And he had no choice but to stop this battle. He stopped it, unfortunately, and Malik al-Ashla had to return. Now there's a lot of details I'm skipping, of course, but that is the story in a nutshell of how just making a dumb mistake causes so many issues because this wasn't, that wasn't the end of it after that happened uh, arbitration happened and of course we had there's many lectures on this on the battle of Safin and the outcome of and the and the bitter fruits that were yielded by this story of the battle of Safin and what happened afterwards all because of a very dumb mistake on on the part of these people so in here the verse it's saying look if there are people that there is no hope for them anymore, they have gone the other way, who are you to try to bring them back? Yes, sometimes there's a person, there's hope in them returning, but there are some that you know they're not going to return. All right, They are munafiqeen, they've gone back, and they're doing their thing over there in Mecca again. Anyway, the, in this case, what's for sure in my opinion, in this case, in this story, The people know know that these guys are gone, but they're still trying. Like, what's wrong with you? Put your energy somewhere else. And why are you dividing over something like this? That's even worse. Think about it. There's division over hypocrites. They're hypocrites. Let them go. So there are a couple points here, or a few points I want to share with you. Number one, when you have a leader like the Prophet, that's what you know. It's kind of like, that's what the verse is implying. Like, what's up with you? What's wrong with you? You have the Prophet amongst you, Sallallahu Alaihi Yet you're still dividing. Just go by what the Prophet says. When you have a leader like the Prophet, why get divided? Number one. Number two, Allah turned them upside down. So someone might say, "Oh, it's not fair." But remember, we had that key verse a few sessions ago, right? Maybe one session ago, two sessions ago. I don't remember, where the Quran gave us the key verse that, Inna Allah yadlimu, Allah doesn't wrong anyone, okay? Even an atom's weight of uh, wronging. We had this before, right? So Allah doesn't do dhulm at all. So here when it says, أَرْكَسَهُمْ Allah has turned them upside down. We know for a fact, okay, it's not because of Allah's shortcoming, Allah wronging people. What is the reason? Well, in this verse, it tells us what the reason is. Bima kasabu, because of what? Because of their own doing. Brothers and sisters, if I have something in my hand and I drop it, Okay, I let it go. Gravity will do its thing. We have to understand that's how things work. When you do enough wrong, your misguidance is for sure. Because wrong brings about misguidance. And who is the one who gives me misguidance? The same one who causes that thing to fall when I let go of it. Gravity is the doing of Allah. At the end of the day, gravity is working and doing its thing because Allah is giving it permission, right? Same thing here. When someone does enough wrong, to deserve misguidance, then misguidance is going to come. Cause, enough wrong, effect, you know, misguidance. Who's giving the misguidance? Allah is, but He's giving it because of my doing. So these are those traces um, that we find in different verses of the Qur'an that let us know that, look, at the end of the day, if there's a misguidance that Allah wishes for us, it's because first and foremost we wished it for ourselves. These are those points that we have to keep in mind, brothers and sisters, or else things are going to get a little confusing for us. Those key verses, number one, like the one we covered one or two sessions ago, that Allah doesn't do an atom's weight worth of dhulm, number one. Number two, just focusing on the wording. Here it says, Yeah, Allah turned them upside down. But why did He turn them upside down? Because of their own doing. That's what they're asking for. The same way you let something go, you're asking for it to fall. It's not going to float. It's going to fall. When you do enough wrong, you're asking for misguidance because enough wrong equals misguidance. But of course, yeah, that misguidance comes from Allah. So we shouldn't be putting the blame on Allah. We should be putting the blame on these people. And that's what the Qur'an reminds us throughout different verses. It says, Allah didn't do dhulm to them, anfusahum yadhalimun. They were doing dhulm to themselves. And finally, brothers and sisters, this shows us, this verse shows us that uh, it's not going to always be love, Islam's not going to always be love, 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 love. Love wherever there is the slightest room for love, Bismillah, yes, we will. Have, there will be love, but when there's no room for love anymore, then there's no room for love anymore. These are munafiqeen. They have come, they have gone back, they have turned upside down on their heads, so to speak, You can't love someone that Allah, or or try to guide someone that Allah has misguided. Allah has given him misguidance because of his acts. Uh, No, no, I I still want to be, I still want to guide. Excuse me, are you more Allah than Allah? Like, who are you, man? So these are things to keep in mind as well. Sometimes we might fall on that extreme, and that goes against some of these teachings. But yes, I do want to emphasize 100%, wherever there is the slightest and least amount of room, we will try to guide, we will show love, and mercy in all of these things, without the slightest doubt, 100 percent. Page number 93 of the Holy Qur'an. Do not dismiss others as disbelievers just like that. It's an unfortunate reality. Sometimes we will jump to conclusions too quick, and we will offend others, hurt others, say things to others that aren't accurate, aren't true, while they are believers or even if they're not believers or we're not supposed to show them respect, still we're causing big problems because of jumping to conclusions. Let's recite the verse, and there's a story behind this that I want to share with you. This is verse, verse 94 of Surah An-Nisa. تَبْتَغُونَ عَرَضَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا فَعِنْدَ اللَّهِ مَغَانِمُوا كَثِيرًا كَذَلِكَ كُنْتُم مِّن قَبْلُ فَمَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُمْ فَتَبَيَّنُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرًا O you who have faith, when you issue forth in the way of Allah, try to ascertain. So in other words, you're out there, I think this verse might be speaking about even times of battle maybe, But anyway, you are going out there, right? You're going out there for Allah, for something, for the cause of Islam. Try to ascertain, like make sure of things before you act and do things. Make sure of them first, okay? So do not say to someone who offers you peace, says salam to you or shows you salam and peace, that you are not a believer. Don't say that to them. and, and, And the reason for that is that you are seeking the transitory wares of the life of this world, the temporary things of this world that the world can offer you. You are after the temporary good things of this life. As a result, you reject someone who is showing you peace, offering you peace, saying to you, Salaam. Yet with Allah are plenteous gains. You're after temporary stuff. Allah has the plenteous stuff, the eternal, infinite stuff you too were such earlier but allah did you a favor so this this part of the verse is saying that this is how you were before you were for you it was all about the temporary stuff but now that islam has come and has has informed you of an akhirah informed you of infinity and eternity right you should be different but Allah did you a favor through you know, teaching you Islam and teaching you Akhirah, all that. Therefore, do ascertain, make sure of things. I'll tell you the story of this in a minute. Do ascertain, make sure of things, in other words, before you actually do something. Allah is indeed well aware of what you do. So as I said, there is a story here. There is a sha'na nuzul here as well in regards to this verse. Um, and there are, there, there are different sha'na nuzuls, but I'll, I'll, share, I'll share with you the more famous one maybe that you can say. And that is the, the one that has to do with um, one of the companions of Rasulullah ﷺ. He had uh, been sent to one of these um, towns or villages um, in the Fadak area, Fadak region, after the Battle of Khaybar, to go there and invite the people to Islam. And if they're not Muslim, for them to at least uh, live up to the conditions of living in Muslim lands. So this person goes. And there's a, an important person I think his name uh, from what I remember was his name was Mirdas and he was one of the Yahud of Khaybar of that region and so he goes and hides his children his wealth somewhere and he comes to this uh, companion of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wa who's now come to call people to islam and he shows his islam he says I expresses his embracement of islam and following the Prophet and and, and believing in the Prophet What does this companion do, unfortunately, according to this account? He says, no, you're lying, you're not a believer, you're just doing this to save your life, and so he kills him. This is very sad. The Prophet is very upset by this. He becomes very, very upset at this. This verse is revealed. That you people who are going out there trying to push the cause of Islam forward, like make sure of things first before you do something. Yeah, especially something significant like taking somebody's life. Are you kidding me? And the reason you're doing this is because you're, you, you have your mind and your eyes on some war spoils or something that's going to reach you of spoils. But wait a minute. Allah brought you Islam to get you out of this immaturity and being like a child of that's what you're after only. Because these are all temporary. Islam, Allah taught you of the eternal afterlife. So these should not be something that you should be pursuing in the wrong way to the point where you're willing to take someone's life before you ascertain things. No, 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 no be careful, be very careful, especially because this verse is in the context, if you look at the previous verses, it's talking about how um, uh, you're not allowed to take any mu'min's life, you're not allowed to take any believer's life. So if you know someone's a believer, for sure you cannot take their life, unless for certain reasons, which those are the exception, the very, very small exception. So in this context, Not only are you not allowed to take someone's life who you know for a fact is a mu'min, in this context it's saying that you can't even take the life of somebody that you're not even sure about, but they are coming to you with salam and peace and maybe saying that they're Muslim. How dare you? So the Prophet was very, very touched by all this and upset by all of this. All right, so extra caution, number one. Number two, it shows us that fighting has always been about war spoils, unfortunately. Back then, the people, that was one reason why they would go fight, because of the war spoils that they would gain. Islam came and said, no, you fight for Allah if you have to fight. First of all, you don't fight for no dumb reason, no. You fight for the right reasons. And when you do, you fight for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't fight for war spoils, and that's exactly what the verse is saying. You guys were after dunya before this, when you would fight. That's my understanding of the verse. You were after fighting because of war spoils in the past. And that's why you, 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 would, you would not have any discretion when it came to people. You just go ahead and do whatever you liked for the purpose of dunya. Everything for you was dunya, in other words. But Islam made you understand that this is not everything. But this, so this is one of the blessings of Islam. You see how it has adjusted the people's worldview so that they do things for the right reasons, and because they're doing it for the right reasons, they won't make big mistakes, they won't rush into things. When you know there's a big prize, and to get to that prize, you have to go through this mirdas individual and take his life, right? If you are after Arad al-Hayat al you will do that. But when you're after akhirah and you're fighting for the right reasons, you won't rush into things because I don't care, war spoils or not. I'm fighting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that will be a filter, right? That will be something that will slow you down when it comes to rushing into decisions and making big mistakes like this one. So brothers and sisters, wow, let's look at this. We are supposed to give benefit of the doubt to a person who is Al as Salam comes to us in peace, and brings to us the message of peace, and salam and all of that? Really? Give benefit of the doubt to that person even? I thought, uh, you know, I thought we're supposed to only do that with the Muslims. Okay, fine. Are we doing that with the Muslims, the mu'mineen, in our communities, in our centers, and so on? This is something we have to be very careful about. That if a person like Mirdas is to be given benefit of the doubt, the Prophet was upset When this happened, the Prophet said, how dare you, like this person, like who cares what's going on inside of him? Did he come to you on the outside and say this? Yes, then you're supposed to take it from him. This is a person that we know probably is doing this only to save his life, doesn't really mean it when he says I'm Muslim, but still you're supposed to honor that. Then what about our brothers and sisters in our communities? Do we give them this much benefit of the doubt sometimes? That's something to think about, inshallah we do. Inshallah we do, but they for sure have to be given benefit of doubt. So a question might arise regarding um, this uh, this verse and what it's telling us and instructing us to do. And that is that um, that is that look if we are to give benefit of doubt to all these types of people who just say, I'm Muslim now, I'm just I'm Muslim now. Well, we know in deep in their heart, probably that's not the case. Or if we give them benefit of the doubt, then that's going to hurt us in the long run. They'll make us look bad at the very least by leaving the religion just like that. And people are going to say, oh, look, this religion is such a weak religion. Oh, look at all these people leaving it. That's at the least at the, but there's, you know, worst case scenario though, like these people might even come after us later. They get close to us and share our information with others and um, maybe even, you know, hurt us and so on. Well. Brothers and sisters, this doesn't mean that you put your guard down for sure. You're not. This verse is saying, put your guard down. You have to have ihtiyat and all of that for sure. Be precautious and take precaution and don't share all your information with people. Just because you're not, you're supposed to give them benefit of the doubt doesn't mean you're supposed to now share with them everything. Hey, uh, person who just embraced Islam and there's a 99 percent chance that you're lying. Let me let me tell you all of our secrets, all of our strategies, and all of our poli- po- the, uh, what's going on behind the scenes and the politi- policies and politics that we have. Just because, you know, there's a 1% chance that you're telling the truth. <laughs> no, that's wrong. That's not, that's not the wisest thing to do. And that's not what the verse is saying. It's saying, look, ascertain before you take somebody's life for God's sake. That, if, if you're worried about Islam having a bad name, and this also gives us a bad name. I'm worried if I, you know, give benefit of the doubt, this person might give us a bad name in the future. Well, the opposite also holds. You taking their life for nothing also is going to give us the worst of a name. So yeah, be smart and all of that, but don't, um, don't, don't uh, accuse people um, just because you feel like there is something in their hearts. So, something opposite to what they're saying in their hearts. So, this question of, are we, um, you know, when we give benefit doubt, that's going to hurt us maybe. The answer is very simple. The answer is, what do you want to do then? Do you want to take people's lives just because there's a chance they're lying? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard to take like just so we can we, we can play it safe let's take let's take people's lives even when there's a chance that they might be lying no one does that in the world t- today or in the past it just doesn't make sense and it doesn't read with um, you know the other islamic teachings without a doubt brothers and sisters allahumma nawwir qulubana bil qur'an wa akhlaqana bil qur'an wa minan nari bil qur'an wa bil qur'an اللهم اجعل القرآن لنا في الدنيا قرينا وفي القبر مونسا وعلى الصراط نورا وفي الجنة رفيقا ومن النار سترا وحجابا وإلى الخيرات كلها دليلا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته